0: Hi there, friends, and welcome to this episode of Burn Your Draft, the podcast exploring the Reed Senior Thesis, Process, and Experience. I'm your host, Amelie Andreas, and this is a thesis about pigs. Or rather, about how two countries think about pigs. Along with land, resources, agriculture, the environment, and so much more. I know that Environmental Sciences History Major, Emma Chomsky, can explain it far better than I ever could. So take it away, Emma. Hi, uh, my name is Emma Lydia
1: Chomsky and I was born in Nicaragua, but I grew up in Mexico. However, I do have roots in the US, so I'm also from the US. I am an ES history major, environmental studies history with a French minor. And the title of my thesis is Pigs and Plantations, U.S. Environmental Interventions in Haiti in the 20th Century.
0: So I'm getting like very international background here, which is cool because we're seeing that like in your roots and where you're from and also in your thesis, like spanning these two nations. Do you want to like go a little bit deeper maybe into like how your thesis worked as something that was between countries? Maybe like how that might tie back to your background?
1: Um, yes. I think that the way it ties into my background is that I, I've grown up looking at the U.S. from outside of the U.S. Mm-hmm. as well as, as with one foot inside the U.S., right? hmm So it was, it was really interesting to me when I, when I got to read to see that It was a different. It was a different perspective that people had about about how the the U.S. is and and what its policies look like. Although I mean, readies are are pretty over to the left, but but still, it was it was really different from what conversations about the U.S. were very different Mm -hmm. when when I was when I was here in Mexico.
0: Yeah, I totally know what you're talking about. I also grew up outside of the US. And it's definitely different to, yeah, the way that people interact with and like, contemplate like the concept of the United States of America from the outside versus the inside is like so fascinating
1: and and i mean that goes that goes both ways right because Mm -hmm. you get the you get the perspective from from here from mexico you get people saying oh wow well the u.s everyone in the u.s has everything that they want and everything that they need and there's so much money and Mm -hmm. it grows on trees and once you get to the u.s Mm -hmm. you can buy a car and you will buy a house easily and then you get the to the u.s and you say hey no actually here there's terrible poverty and terrible inequality just like everywhere else in the world um but at the same time when you're abroad thinking about U.S. foreign policy is it's much more about how U.S. foreign policy affects other countries Mm
0: -hmm. so you talk about like U.S. environmental intervention what did that look like were you thinking about like the effects that it had on individuals or more like looking at the policies
1: themselves. So I was most interested in thinking about how it affected individuals
0: mm-hmm.
1: and specifically what I, I I adopted the the word paysan, which is basically Creole for peasant. Mm-hmm. But I felt that peasant has a negative connotation. Mm hmm. But paysan doesn't. Paisan seemed to be to be mm-hmm. more similar to the word in Spanish campesino, mm-hmm. which has been repurposed and is is this empowered word of you know strong uh, agricultural worker, um, whether or not the holding land or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was most interested in thinking about how
0: U.S. foreign policy affected paisan. It seems like you have a very Interdisciplinary thesis. Yes, history is inherently an interdisciplinary major, but even tying in these other things that people might think of, like the word choices we're using, a little bit of linguistics there and, and language. How would you say that you kind of drew on different disciplines when you were constructing your thesis?
1: I I thought that a lot of a lot of the classes that I took at Reed were very helpful. Although I think history was the the biggest <laughs> the 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 one that played the biggest role in there and also the French classes yeah the French classes I took at, at Reed were very useful because um I had all these uh radio programs I had so I had some I had some radio programs that were in Haitian Creole and so I got some funding from let me I got some funding from the Paul K. Richter and Evelyn Elizabeth Cook Richter Memorial Fund to translate these 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 audios into into a language I could understand and so that was french because the only person i knew who spoke haitian creole could translate them into french
0: wow and so you went on this whole little adventure from like the haitian creole to translating it into french and then translating it into english for your thesis that's really cool all right. And I think the other thing that people might be curious about is we've kind of talked a little bit about the U.S. environmental interventions. We've talked a little bit about like how Haiti came into this with like the languages and everything. I think there's probably not that many read theses that are about pigs. So tell me all about the pigs.
1: The, the pigs actually it came from they came from my mom. I, I wanted to do my thesis about something simple and very straightforward Mm -hmm. so originally i was thinking about doing it about fish or fishing or something related to Mm -hmm. oregon but then you know pandemic and then also i was pregnant so i wasn't going back to read right then and so i stayed here in in mexico city and it it became Mm -hmm. possible to think about something more international and in a way that would also be interesting so I wanted something simple. It's ES. So I wanted either an animal mm-hmm. or a plant. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to my mom and she said, oh, did you ever hear about the creole pigs? And I said, what? Creole pigs? Tell me more about this. And she said, oh, well, there was something about the creole pigs in Haiti. And then USA came in and killed them all. And I said, wait, what? And then I started doing a little bit of research and I found a little documentary and and so I I just I went off on that I went I I went down the rabbit hole
0: (laughs) oh I love a good rabbit hole for those of us who are listening and maybe don't like know any, they're like creole pigs what like can you give us like the the cliff notes of the situation and like kind of maybe why you found it interesting and attractive so they're creole pigs
1: they're very cute um they're this small black (laughs) pig and they were, <laughs> yes, they were they were the ideal pigs for the climate. They could go for days without drinking water. They ate garbage. Whoa. They they were very resistant to pests. Oh they they just they kind of roamed free. They were very resilient pigs. Um, and then there was an outbreak of African swine flu in the islands, and then USAID came in and started this project to exterminate all the pigs.
0: No! <laughs> don't, don't exterminate all the pigs. What? They
1: did. And they did they exterminated all the pigs.
0: No. And oh my god. They
1: they they had a pig repopulation plan as well, but the pigs that they repopulated with were Iowa pink pigs, so they were these really big fat pigs that ate a commercial feed and that needed a paved space to live in and clean drinking water, mm-hmm. and these were many things that Haitian farmers didn't have in their houses themselves. They did not have a paved floor. They did not always have filtered, uh, completely clean water. So they were mm-hmm. thinking to themselves, "How, how can I?" I mean, it, it, the project was a total fail- failure because the Jeez. those pigs just weren't adapted to the to the area.
0: Mm, high maintenance pigs.
1: Very high maintenance
0: pigs. Yeah, wow. So, are there like absolutely a hundred percent, like zero pigs left?
1: No, there there are pigs
0: now. What are they? I mean, this is like kind of off topic. This is purely personal curiosity. Do you know like where they are or what they're up to? Like, are they are they doing okay? The the last couple <laughs> ones that are left.
1: So, actually, it seems that in Haiti. Well, I'm not sure. There's there's not officially. I am not sure if all the pigs were exterminated or not. Mm-hmm. They did their best, and they, at some point, they had some pigs on an island that they were sure were not contaminated. Mm-hmm. But then, I, in in one of the in one of the documentaries, um, they explained that mysteriously the Tonton Makuts went in and killed all the pigs in that island. But the thing is that later, some there were different repopulation projects. Mm-hmm. So there was the pink pig project, and then there was also another project that tried to rebreed mm-hmm. uh, similar Haitian pigs. So they brought in some pigs from Jamaica, and then they introduced those in different parts of Haiti. Um, but there are some black pigs now. Wow. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if they're descendants of the Jamaican pigs or. Mm-hmm. if... They came from the Dominican Republic, or if someone actually managed to hide their own pig uh, in the 80s. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow, that is such an absolutely just like mind boggling story. That is just so. And I feel like, you know, most people haven't even heard of this. Like, I think most people in the United States, at least, would not like know anything about um, the effects that, you know, our country has been having on the the pig populations over there did you have any like unexpected challenges i felt i felt that all the challenges
1: that i came up against i was able to talk through with my advisor and she really helped them she really helped all the challenges seem so much smaller i mean she helped all the challenges seem surmountable um So, I mean, of course, sometimes it was really hard to write. And uh, there were weeks where I just showed up and I said, no, I didn't write anything this week, Mary. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sorry. (laughs) And there were times when it was hard to get rid of stuff. So I I wrote these long things that then became irrelevant because they weren't connected to to the main thesis. Mm -hmm. And I could, I just saw my hours of work going into the um <laughs> no that is
0: so hard because
1: <laughs> the, the, the garbage
0: yeah the abyss <laughs> <laughs> oh no yeah that is one of the underlooked hardest parts of i feel like writing something that is super long form is at the end of the day you do have to like cull stuff i mean but it's still it was still useful mm-hmm. i i got i in, in particular
1: i remember i wrote all this stuff that was basically notes about after the Haitian Revolution, it was notes about that. It was just kind of my 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 digesting of the of different texts about the Haitian Revolution, but it didn't become it wasn't relevant to the thesis anymore. So I got rid of it, but it still informed the way that I thought about the rest of the thesis, but just in a way that I didn't need to quote.
0: <laughs> my favorite thing, and whenever I'm like starting a new project, is I'll just read, like, every Wikipedia page I can find that's tied to that. Even though I know, like, I'm not going to be able to cite any of that later, but it's so important to just have a background in the, like, the region and the the era that you're you're looking at. What ended up being, like, the outcome of your project? And that can be, like, something personal or just maybe something that you think that, like, um, no one has ever really said before about the topic.
1: I felt pretty proud of what i wrote i felt really happy I, I felt really proud of myself and i i i don't know if this is something very new or um you know breaking through in academia and i i don't think that's what this is i don't know if that's what this is but i do know that i absolutely loved writing my thesis i, I remember a uh, friend, my friend Soroa asked me near the end, I mean, Emma, are you are you proud of what you wrote? And and I just I said just thought actually yes, I, I am. I'm really proud. I I I like reading what I'm writing and I also I this is something I want to share with my friends and family.
0: That's amazing. I mean that is like the really the only outcome you can ask for at the end of the, like the thesis it's for like I think a lot of people forget that this thesis at the end of the day it's for you. Like it's meant to be the culmination of your, you know, four years here at Reed. I mean, it's it just, I, I don't think it's amazing. I don't think it's amazing. I don't think this is you know, a
1: state-of-the-art uh, writing. It's very simple. It's a crude little attempt at writing a little book. But <laughs> that, I mean, that's all it has to be. It, it doesn't have to be anything mm-hmm. else. It, it's, just, it's just a long paper. Yeah. I had one idea. I backed it up with arguments and that's it it's it's, not, it's, it's no more <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> cleaning your hands a bit that yeah that it's done it's dusted and it made you happy that is amazing so how did like has your experience with your thesis informed your life after read in other ways what have you kind of been up to since graduating and and is there any things in that that you're like ah Maybe the reason I'm here is because I wrote about pigs and plantations, uh,
1: you know, all those months ago. Now I'm working at this consultancy for social environmental projects. Oh, that's awesome. We, yes, I'm working with my English teacher from second grade. Um, <laughs> but, so, what, part of what we do, now that I was thinking about it, Part of what we mm-hmm. do is is kind of related to foreign policy and mm-hmm. development, what we call development. We mostly do we mostly do workshops with other organizations. So for example, if an organization has a plan to find out everything they can about what people in the Mexican Caribbean think about uh, walruses, <laughs> and then, <laughs> and they have to, they have to make a plan for this, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Very serious.
1: They, yes. And they realize that they have no idea how to reach everyone. And also their internal team isn't managing to get organized and communicate with Mm -hmm. one another then they call us in and Mm. we help them (laughs) but i do bring up my thesis you know those initial spiels in in work where they ask you oh who are you and what do you do i've always brought up the thesis (laughs)
0: because it just
1: (laughs) I I mean it was a really big part of that whole year of my
0: life yeah it's crazy that like like that is who you are for a year and very useful when you need to yeah define the multiplicity of a human being in like one catchy sentence (laughs) I spent a year of my life researching pigs as like a pretty good opener I feel like
1: but I mean the thesis wasn't just about pigs Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All the problems that Haiti and its population are facing nowadays, and that the fact that there's so many Haitian uh, people migrating through Mexico, fleeing their country right now, is in great part a responsibility, or not only a responsibility, but a lot of the reasons behind it come from the way that other countries in what we call the first world have in their in their foreign policy. But yeah, that was one of the harder questions that my advisor asked me near the end. She like, well, okay, Emma, so what is your thesis about? Is it a thesis about the US? Is it a thesis about Haiti? Is it, what is it? And the answer lies somewhere in between, but
0: still, mm-hmm. it, was, it was a really hard question. Yeah. The answer is yes. It is a thesis about the US. It is a thesis about Haiti. It is a
1: thesis about pigs. <laughs>
0: and it's also a thesis about pigs.
1: <laughs> it's a thesis about how we think about pigs or not we, how, how Haitian peasant think about pigs versus how USAID thinks about pigs.
0: Do you have any like kind of last words of advice for maybe someone who's like starting out their thesis? someone who's like starting out their read journey, maybe even someone who's like just graduated and they're like, okay, what now?
1: Yeah, it, it just it just has to be, you just have to write it. It just has to make sense. And I pick, pick an advisor that you are sure will be helpful to you.
0: You know, you have a pretty good advisor when at the end of your thesis, you're asked what challenges you had and that's hard to think of any. I think that's a good sign. I mean I
1: there were definitely challenges around but it was just it was the
0: way that you look at them and approach them. Yes. And the way that your thesis advisor looks at them and approaches
1: them. <laughs> oh, she was just very good. She was like, Okay, you're pregnant, so that means that near the end of the semester you're gonna be really tired, so I get to work a ton at the beginning and then next year you're gonna have a baby and so you know mm-hmm. that you have no idea what your life is gonna be like then.
0: Wow. And your time is going
1: to be very different. And and she was right. She was completely, completely right.
0: That's so cool as well to have, like, I don't know, your mentor considering all of those like things in your personal life as well. And like having them not just be like an academic connection, but also like an important like life mentor as well. And
1: I mean, and with all these things going on in life, thesis was also an, an escape into mm-hmm. into something I can I can solve. You know, there's problems that you can't solve, and a thesis is one that you can
0: I do sometimes forget that not all adult tasks end with deadlines and ceremonial burnings. Thanks for the reminder, Emma, and for sharing your wild, wonderful thesis, along with raising awareness about an issue that I hadn't even heard of before I reached out to you. And thank you as well to all of our listeners who took the time to tune into this episode. I hope you'll join us again to hear from more alumni and students about what it means to burn your draft. If you liked this episode, be sure to subscribe, check out our Twitter and Facebook pages, and rate us on Apple Podcasts. The views, information, or opinions expressed on this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Reed College. Burn Your Draft is a production of Reed College and the Center for Life Beyond Reed, created jointly by students, alumni, and staff. This episode was produced and engineered by me, Reed College student Amelie Andreas. Our executive producer is Seth Paskin, class of 1990, with technical advising from staff member Joe Janica. Our project manager is Nate Martin, staff member in class of 2016. Music by Jack Salvucci, class of 2020, and podcast art by alumni Henry Gotchlick and Lillian Pham. This podcast was made possible by a gift from Seth Paskin.